Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am your host for this episode, Cody Stoffer, and we are going to be doing a request episode. And so if you recall the way to request an athlete, whether it is yourself or somebody else, you must go to the link tree in our bios on Instagram, social media, with Twitter, Facebook, etc., and fill out the Google form with a couple of questions like name, class, position, and a spot for your huddle. And so these are some people who made early requests, you know, back from even last year. And we're getting around to them because they are seniors this year and the film must be broken down. But if you want your film broken down or want somebody else's film broken down, please make sure to find that Google form and fill it out as best as you can. All of that being said, we have a couple of different positions here today, but we are going to start at the wide receiver position and we are going to travel to Buena Vista, Colorado to talk about Tucker Storms, the defensive back slash wide receiver out of there. And we're going to be dissecting his wide receiver film. And so just some numbers to kind of start it off. You know, 1A football, there are teams that live and die by running the ball. And there are teams like Buena Vista who do pass it a little bit more than, than your average team. And so over the course of his high school career, Tucker Storms racked up 830 receiving yards and 14 touchdowns, with his most notable years being these last two. As a junior, he recorded 14 receptions for 225 yards and five touchdowns, being a great average with only six games played. And then as a senior, you know, while a little banged up this year, I did get to meet up with him and kind of talk about his story at a couple of different games, honestly. And, you know, he was dealing with some injuries and stuff this year. And despite all of that, he still recorded 32 receptions for 355 yards and seven scores, all being personal bests. Not to mention that he did also play both ways and he tacked on another 50 tackles, including seven and a half for loss this past year for 123 total tackles and 13 and a half total tackles for loss on his career. Very impressive. Not to mention he also tacked on two interceptions on his career and 10 pass deflections. But I'm talking about Tucker Storms, the wide receiver, because I I just found that part of his film a little bit easier to kind of gauge. Obviously, he's a great run support cornerback, and I don't want to take that away from him. But him and I have already kind of talked, and I'm his interest on playing on the next level isn't, you know, incredibly high. So I'm going to put him where I want to put him. And that's at the wide receiver spot where, you know, he has, despite his route tree not being the biggest, you know, he has pretty solid route running. He gets pretty tricky off the release and he has a couple of different moves to beat the press. So, you know, his separation slash release was a 7.3 for me. And then to top that with the routes that he did run, I gave his route running a 7.5. He does a very good job of getting tricky, throwing in some head shakes, throwing the hands to kind of throw the defensive back off. Also using that physical strength that he has to push off of the press. All of that combines for, you know, solid releases and routes that inevitably get open and, you know, then targeted to the tune of uh, 32 receptions this past year. So great skill there. He's, he's pretty fast as well. I gave him a 7.1 in speed. You know, I don't think that he has blazing speed by any means, but he's not slow either. And that's kind of where a seven is. Now his highest rated category for me, was, it was pretty close. You know, body control was at a 7.8. 
He shows great ability with his feet to kind of make toe tapping catches, acrobatic catches and stuff like that. Dig close to the ground and just overall maintain a sense of balance, especially when contacted and, you know, while blocking as well, which 5.8 for blocking is really solid for a receiver. And I want to put that out there. But his best trait off of some highlight reel catches that I did see was his verticality slash jump ball. And this is more on the verticality side of things. He's just able to reach up and climb this staircase and snag some of these passes that are, are pretty up there, you know, and Tucker, he's not, you know, the tallest guy. I mean, he's five foot 10, so he, he's a little bit taller than average, but I mean, he grabs some passes where he's completely outstretched. His feet are pretty far off the ground and, you know, he just makes some great grabs that way uh, throughout different places on the field as well. So I wanted to compliment that and just say that was his best trait. I give that an 8.1. I think that, you know, I mean, he's a basketball player too. So that only makes sense that his verticality would be solid and, you know, that he can get up there and he knows how to get up there. Following that, you know, the other two categories that were in the six-ish range, you know, both at a 6.1 were his hand slash ball skills and elusiveness slash agility. I don't think that he gets quite as many chances to really put moves on defenders, but you know, he does push through a couple, he does truck some, and you know, he does put a couple of different moves on guys. So I think it's solid, but not overly impressive. As well as with his hands, sometimes he catches with his body, I fear. And so watching, you know, a couple of times, especially on those hitch routes where, you know, there's a little bit extra juice on that pass, he does tend to kind of use his body to catch it. And that's you know, I mean, he catches with his hands too, but to see him catch with his body from time to time is just a little bit concerning and an area of improvement for anybody if they were looking to recruit him to the next level. Now, talking about some areas of improvement, the biggest area of improvement isn't really something that he can help, but the route tree that he ran at Buena Vista was just not a very diverse one. Lots of hitches, couple of screens, couple of slants, couple of goes um it's a pretty simple route tree uh you know he does he does run outs and he does put a little bit of pizzazz on him run some whips and stuff but it's just not the variety that i'm really really looking for um and it doesn't show like a it doesn't allow him to showcase skills on like being aware of the field and you know, just getting the ball in his hand. It's it's more quick hitter stuff where he's basically immediately tackled. And it looks like as the season goes on, defenses start to really key in on it. So, you know, the fact that it's pretty predictable and not high variety does hurt that category for him. Whether or not it's in his hands or not, it is still a category that I do look at. Lastly, is field awareness slash vision? I gave it a 5.4, which isn't necessarily bad. But there are times where I think he misses a cutback lane or he misses a hole. And I, I think that he just could have gained more yards on it. It's, I mean, he does like to lower his shoulder, which is a very good thing as far as a football player perspective goes. But then you start to look at the injuries and you're like, well, maybe if he cuts it back here or he spins out over here, then maybe there's more opportunities. And I think that he's elusive enough to create more opportunities. But, uh, and maybe it's the route treat too, just not really giving him those opportunities to catch without already being hit. But, uh, you know, that field awareness slash vision just wasn't on full display. So it's a matter of consistency for me, really more than anything. And, you know, 
like I said, he's not really interested on playing on the next level. But if he was, you know, I could see an NAIA school definitely taking a flyer on this guy. He's really athletic. I think that he does a lot of things right. And if given the opportunity to expand his game, I think that he could adapt and prove to be an asset for a lot of NAIA schools and even D2 schools. Um, I could see him being a potential walk-on at some D1s, but I really think he'd be a best fit on an NAIA or D2, getting that coaching and then just maximizing, you know, the raw athletic talent that's hiding here at uh, Buena Vista with Tucker Storms, which by the way, what a, what a football name, right? Uh, Tucker Storms and shout out to Tucker. I've met him a couple times. He's a very polite young man. And, you know, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders and I wish him the best in whatever future endeavors he does take on. But that will do it for this wide receiver on, you know, this episode of Playmakers Corner. And coming up next, we're going to be talking about a quarterback in Sterling, Colorado. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Playmakers Requests on this episode going through some guys who were requested last year and if you are trying to request an athlete please fill out the Google form on any of our link trees and it's going to be asking for information like name, class, position, and film as well. Finding film is not something that it's something that we lose a lot of time doing and so if you send the film it is so so helpful and allows us to produce quicker, more efficient feedback for any of your players. All that being said, I am going to talk about Radic McCracken out of Sterling High School. And, you know, he was a huge reason that I was so high on Sterling to begin the season. In my preseason predictions, it was probably my worst take to date. But, you know, I thought Sterling could potentially make the playoffs on the 2A level. And part of that was because of Raddick's junior season where he threw nine touchdowns and zero interceptions. And I was a little concerned about his completion percentage, but I was like, ah, I could overlook it because, I mean, he's just such an efficient passer with decision-making wise, TD to INT ratio wise. And as a sophomore, he threw two touchdowns and no interceptions. This year was different, I will say. And, you know, I, I did go ahead and watch through his film. And he looked like a different quarterback. I also went to the Eaton versus Sterling game. And, you know, that had its own surprises. So all of that being considered, you know, Sterling did have a really, really tough schedule this year. I mean, Resurrection Christian and Eaton were the first two games for this Sterling squad. And they both ended up being, you know, elite eight teams, I want to say, or maybe even final four teams. Um, no, cause res lost to severance, but anyways, both of these teams were contenders for the two, a title. And that's how the season started for Raddick. It was a pretty tough go going 15 of 32 with zero TDs and four interceptions. Not exactly how you want to start the season. And then it progressively got harder as you know, evergreen is a three, a school and they were a playoff team and he struggled against them as well. And looked like he got a little banged up and was just harassed. And then, you know, to end this four-game skid to start the season, they did face Scott's Bluff, which is a pretty solid Nebraska team. 
And while he did post his second highest passing yardage up to that point in the season, he did throw an interception and no touchdowns. So he started it in an 0-5 hole, mind you. But this stretch to end the season was really promising. And that's where a lot of his really good film comes in here. As you know, he helped this Sterling team go 3-1 and one down the stretch, beating Weld Central Valley and Fort Lupton and losing to Platte Valley, which was another very solid 2A program. And over those games, you know, he threw for over 400 yards and rushed for another, like, 200 yards but between those uh, two games. And he threw six touchdowns at least, uh, not to mention the Fort Lupton game, and then ran for four touchdowns in those games as well. So he showed some of that dual threat ability and helped finish the season after starting zero touchdowns to five interceptions, finished the season at least six touchdowns to seven interceptions, and added on another four rushing touchdowns with 212 yards. And his dual threat ability is his best trait. I did give his scramble ability an 8.1. They use him in a lot of quarterback kind of power option situations, read option situations, and quarterback power situations. And I think that he excels. And part of that is, you know, his 6'2", 180-pound frame. I gave him a 7.4 because, I mean, not only is that a very solid next-level frame, but it's also a frame that went through a lot this season. I don't like to throw offensive lines underneath the bus, but this dude got rocked in and out. That Eaton game was hard to watch. Every time he dropped back, it was just the play was blown up before the ball was even snapped most of the time. And so for him to eventually find success and find those holes and show his ability when provided with some time to run the ball, then that was really encouraging for me. So that's why I gave him such a high grade on the scramble. And, you know, his frame helps out with that as well. One of his other higher categories was arm power. You know, he does push it down the field a couple of times and does show some zip. I gave his arm power a 7.2. I think that, you know, it's good. And I think that there's room for improvement, obviously, but uh, he could push down the field pretty well. And that's that's something that I, I, I enjoyed about Radek's game. His accuracy is also pretty all right. I gave it a 6.7. When he's on, he's really on. There's this one play where he splits the safeties in the red zone, like the five-yard line going in, and I think it's an RPO. So it's a little bit of a decision-making thing as well, whether to hand it off, keep it and run it, or just zip it between the safeties. It's kind of like a Tim Tebow-esque play, if I got to be completely honest with you. And, you know, he zips it in there, and I think that shows great accuracy and arm power. And, you know, those were some of my higher grades for Radek. I did give him a 5.4 on throw on the run. I think that that's something that's just lacking consistency to earn a higher grade, but he does show flashes of being able to push the ball downfield while on the run or complete some, you know, passes that require a little bit more mustard. All of that being said, Raddick is a very flawed quarterback who is a pretty raw prospect. I think that his timing on throws is severely lacking where he underthrows his guys, not because of arm power, but just because of communication and timing. I think that his mechanics, uh, it's just, it is, the ball just dips so much when he throws and he doesn't do a really good job. I don't think of using like his body properly. He looks really stiff when he's releasing the ball. And that is a pretty huge concern for me. I gave his decision-making a really hard dunk here with a 3.7 because I mean, originally I had it at a 3.1, but then I gave him some credit for the RPOs. But while his team didn't help put Raddick in a position to win games, he also didn't really put them in a position to win games. I mean, throwing three interceptions in the season opener, that's tough. And I know that the talent around isn't great. 
but you still got to protect the football one way or another. And if you have to take a sack instead of throwing three picks, that's that's a decision that you have to make. And then in this Platte Valley game, I feel like these two interceptions end up being pretty costly in a game that, you know, looks lopsided, but I think Sterling could have pushed a little bit harder had they, you know, tightened up the turnover margin in this game. Because Raddick did have a pretty solid game. It was his highest completion percentage on the season with 51.7%, or second highest after Res Christian. But, you know, he also pushed the ball downfield for 175 yards. And I think that if he just cleaned it up a little bit, they might have been able to, to win a game here and finish the season at 500 rather than just below 500. Continuing on that, he doesn't have very good pocket awareness or movement. And the movement is the real concern here. I gave it a fairly low grade because instead of moving up in the pocket or, you know, maneuvering within the pocket, he just kind of fades backwards and he'll throw off his back foot. And that is a really bad habit to have developed. And ultimately something that, I mean, it has to be fixed with time and trust for a line that is going to, you know, actually be a barrier between you and the defense. And so all of that being said, Radic here, as far as looking to the future and trying to judge him as a prospect, I think that, you know, a D3 could potentially take a flyer on him because, I mean, you have to love the size, the frame, and the running ability. And, you know, he could be like a power option kind of running quarterback. But other than that, I don't see too many schools taking a flyer on him. I think it'd be hard to make a lot of JUCO rosters, especially in, you know, that kind of Kansas area. And yeah, that's just something to think about is there's just a lot of bad habits that you have to kind of be out of Raddick here. But, you know, surrounding him with some talent could help with that because this Sterling team, if it weren't for Raddick, they would not have won a single game because he plays on both sides of the ball, mind you. And in that World Central game, he had an interception and that's a game that they won. You know what I mean? So, and, and not to mention that he does produce tackles. I mean, in the game against Scott's Bluff, even though they got blown out, he did record 12 tackles, which is insane. He recorded 43 on the season. So he, without, I don't know what Sterling's going to do next year, honestly. I'm pretty worried for this program without Radek McCracken because he really just, you know, elevated this team from probably a winless season to three and six, which once again, it doesn't sound mind-blowing, but if you watch the rest of this team and then watch Radek, you got to feel for the guy. And not to drag Sterling through the mud or anything, no disrespect, but I mean, it was just tough to watch. And, you know, I'm sure that Raddick had a tough time, but, you know, Raddick did a lot for what he was given with the hand that he was dealt. And I think that, you know, with a little bit more time to pass the ball on a regular basis, some of these bad habits can kind of die off and he could develop a little bit, but he is currently a D3 level prospect in my opinion with potential potential naia upside and a final grade of a 56.3 we will continue to talk about 2a talent here coming up next we're back here on playmakers corner talking some high end to a talent here and up next is Cade Dunlap out of Resurrection Christian. I'm just going to dive right into it. Cade is a very solid athlete 
who helped this resurrection Christian make a pretty deep run this year. You know, on 129 carries, he ran for 954 yards and 12 touchdowns in a dangerous backfield that included himself and Wildcat QB Eddie Lemos, who did, you know, commit to a D1 program in, I want to say, Idaho State? Or, no, I think it might have been Iowa State, actually. One of those two. I always mix up the Iowa and Idaho's. But anyways, you know, Kay Dunlap, he was a part of this successful run that, you know, almost brought Resurrection Christian to the championship. They made a very deep run here before losing to the state runner-ups in Brush. And, you know, he's not really to blame for this. Um, in, in this situation, having only fumbled twice on the year, you love that strength and tackle-breaking ability. And I'm going to just go ahead and start there. With that ball security stat in mind, I did give him a 7 in tackle breaking slash strength. He does a great job of muscling through defenders and pushing forward, not on an every down basis, but on a regular enough basis for me to give him some kudos there. Further elaborating on some things that Kate Dunlap does well, his highest scoring grade for me was his footwork. I gave it a 7.5. I just think that he does a great job and, you know, chops his feet up, breaks down, and is able to make a lot of these really quick cuts, kind of, and spread the field out as far as defenders, you know, having to be a bit more cautious around him because he is really just a threat to cut at any second, which, you know, kind of is something to talk about with his agility slash change of direction, which I do think is a 7.1. It's very good. And I think very serviceable and, you know, a two to three star level talent tied in with his footwork as well as his power slash explosiveness. When he finds the hole, he is shot out of there like a cannon. It's very impressive for backs that I've seen. And I think that he was, that's why he was able to rip off some pretty long gains, including a 63 against LaHunta and a 55 against Brush. You know, other than that, he was, you know, mostly just consistent with like a 10 plus yard run every once in a while, but he really showed that next gear that he had when the games mattered most. And, you know, that's something that I don't take it with a grain of salt. I think that you have to rise to the occasion and Kate Dunlap did exactly that, you know, including an incredible playoff game against Brush where he ran the ball 15 times for 148 yards, averaging 9.9 per carry and scoring a touchdown. And by the way, he scored a touchdown in every game that wasn't the Eaton game, and nobody scored a touchdown in that game. I don't think the final score was 6-10. to It's a very defensively fought hard game. And a game like that is what lets me know that, you know, Cade here and this Resurrection Christian squad were contenders on the 2A level because they went toe-to-toe with Eaton and only lost by four. And that's not bad. I mean, he still ran the ball 21 times for 90 yards and 4.3 average. So, I really can't blame him for that loss. And, you know, I I give him a lot of credit for helping this Resurrection Christian team get as far as they did. You know, obviously with his footwork, with his explosiveness, with his uh, change of direction, not to mention his speed. He has pretty solid speed and acceleration, both sitting at a 7 and 7.2 respectively. And, you know, I think that he's just a very solid player. His vision is something to write home about. He's a very patient back. And that's why I gave his vision a 7.4, one of the higher grades that I could have given. 
Acknowledging all this, something that makes him stand out from other running backs in a lot of ways is that his blocking is not a liability. I gave him a 6.5 in blocking, which is one of the higher grades out of any running back, and that's because he was a lead blocker for Eddie Lemos, and he blew some guys up. He does a great job of getting those pads low, getting underneath their shoulder pads, and you know just making great plays in the blocking game. Now, I haven't really seen him pass block. That's why I have him kind of restricted here at a 6.5, even though he shows me great technique in the run blocking game. It, 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 Resurrection Christian just didn't pass the ball this year, so it'd be pretty unfair to assume too far and give him a higher score without kind of pass catching film. Now, he did catch a couple of passes throughout his career. You know, th this year he caught three for 47, mostly on just those leaks out of the backfield. But he made some decent grabs, but his receiving is nothing to write home about. I give him a 4.3 in receiving. I think that there's still just a lot to prove as far as receiving. I mean, in all of his time, he caught seven passes for 107 yards, which is good. And, and it's solid, but it's, it's kind of the bare minimum that you need to play on the next level. That's why I kind of graded him pretty hard on receiving, because I think that the volume just has to be higher. And that tends to be a pretty typical problem with these run it, run it, run it teams. Now, Resurrection Christian did have to get pretty creative because their quarterback did leave right before the season, so they had to change their entire offense. So, no disrespect to this Res Christian offense, but, you know, it does have some downsides when grading things like this. And talking about just some er other areas of improvement, I mean, those were the two big ones. Honestly, I think that he could be a bit more balanced and have some slightly better body control. But I don't have a lot of complaints here with Kate Dunlap. I give him an overall 68.2 grade. I think that, you know, he, he's a, you know, close to a two-star kind of guy in a lot of areas. And I think that, you know, he's he's a really athletic guy with some high upside. I think that he could go in and produce at an NAIA right now. Um, and, you know, at 5'8", 175 pounds, he's pretty stout too. And his speed for being that stout is very impressive. I think that you just have a lot of options with him as an athlete, whether it's at running back, which is what I evaluated him for and what he has the most film of, or, you know, as some kind of other athlete on the field. But he could go in and he could contribute to most NAIA programs right now. And, you know, I think that he'd even have some D2 opportunities as well as kind of the outlook that I have for Cade Dunlap. So... Shout out to Kate Dunlap. Shout out to that Res Christian team for putting on a heck of a show this year. I was kind of bummed that they didn't make the, you know, the final dance to show us a rematch with Eaton like we were treated to with University, but it is what it is. And I'm ultimately grateful that we got to watch some phenomenal athletes out of that Res Christian squad. And speaking of phenomenal athletes, we have, you know, a very interesting one from a 3A contender coming up next. fourth segment of this edition of playmakers requests remember if you want to request an athlete or yourself to get your film broken down please go to our social medias that's on twitter facebook instagram click on the link tree in the bio and fill out the google form but this is an athlete here who was in consideration for best of the rest wide receivers and helped put together this very well-rounded and this very talented roosevelt team 
I'm talking about Keaton Kaiser out of Roosevelt, the senior cornerback slash wide receiver. Standing in at 5'10", it says 160, but I feel like he's a little bit heavier than that, but that's on his max preps. So anyways, in this season, you know, Kaiser did put together 54 receptions for 707 yards and six scores, including one in that final game of the season. And, you know, was just a pretty steady target for Brock Saya here, who was a one-year starter. And I think that Keaton, you know, having that experience from the previous year and just the years on this Roosevelt squad helped Brock settle into this offense and let him know like, hey man, you got control, so go ball out. And Keaton was a three-year, I want to say starter, or at least contributor, contributor for this Roosevelt team, having racked up 41 receptions in the previous two seasons before his senior year for around 400 yards apiece and nine combined touchdowns in those two years making up for 1,564 yards on 139 receptions and 16 scores over the course of his high school career. And, I mean, for good reason here, too. Something about Keaton is that he is pretty dang fast. You know, he's, once he gets the ball and once he's upfield, it's very easy to lose him. And they give him so many opportunities to do exactly that. And why wouldn't you? I mean, his body control, his ability to stay on his feet and make sideline catches and just bounce off of tackles is really, really good. I gave it a 7.7. I think that he routinely stays on his feet despite some contact and despite, you know, defenses kind of keying in on him. And that being said, you know, his elusiveness slash agility, I gave a 7.6. They get him the ball in space. They throw it in our routes. They throw screens to him because he is able to make quick cuts and he has very solid body control, like I said. And, you know, his field awareness slash vision is pretty solid. I gave it a 6.8 because, I mean, they throw him so many screens that eventually you have to identify where your blockers are, where it's going to be. And they run a variety of screens. There's bubble screens. There's mid screens. There's smoke screens. And he makes all of these work for positive yardage. So just that level of consistency of making plays with the ball in your hand is is really supreme. And I, I have a lot of respect for it. That being said, you know, some other things that he does well, he has pretty solid hands. He does make some grabs with his hands that I think do make a good point. He does scoop low for the ball as well. So I gave it a 6.8. Sometimes it gets a little tight to his chest, but I don't think it's really anything to worry about here. I think that he offers you a ton of upside on the next level, just with consistency and just being a very solid football player throughout all these categories. I mean, as a receiver, I gave his blocking a 6.6 .6 because... I mean, there's some times where they do put him in the backfield and he blocks there. And that's something about this Roosevelt team that produces so many talented athletes is that, you know, they're asked to do literally everything uh, on this field. Like former quarterbacks might be like D lineman one year and then a quarterback the next, you know. So with all of these different roles and a lot of yes coach guys and guys who are willing to play anywhere, it creates a phenomenal culture that I have a lot of respect for up in Johnstown and shout out to my homie Nate, who coaches on that team and helps produce a lot of these stud players, including Keaton here. Granted, Nate's more of a defensive lineman guy, but we'll talk about some of those dogs on a later episode. Back to Keaton, though. You know, he's just very well-rounded and just does a lot of things right. His route running, I did give him a 6.3. It's not the biggest route tree, but he does a great job of, you know, selling head fakes and stuff like that. It's not as, you know, deep or detail-oriented as some of these other receivers, but it is very serviceable and it does open up a lot of opportunities for him when, you know, Brock, Brock's able to put it on the money for him. And I think that Keaton, 
as well as Tucker Peterson, obviously, but Keaton was a huge part in Brock Say's breakout monster year this past year. And don't forget to listen to, you know, our 3A awards episode, as well as I believe the best of the rest quarterbacks episode, Simon talks about Brock Say and breaks down his film. All that being said, you know, Keaton Kaiser, I do think that he's under-recruited, but there are some things that I think he should improve on. He's not a huge, how should I say this? His separation slash release, I gave it a 4.8. It's his lowest grade, mainly because he works out of the slot a lot. And a lot of people just don't have the athletes to really match up with him on the slot. And so that opens up a lot of opportunities. It gives him a lot of space. He doesn't really have to beat press all that often. And a lot of these shorter routes that he does catch, you know, don't really require significant releases or separation because it's just so immediate. So I did have to ding him a little bit for that. I don't necessarily think that it's bad. I do think that he does create some solid separation on his routes, which is why, you know, I have it at a 4.8, which is just, you know, below like mediocre because I just want to see him work on his release and see him have to actually face some competition at the slot position. It's not really something he can help, but it is something that I can't just give away for free. Elaborating on that, you know, his route tree, I think it's a bit more fleshed out than a lot of other guys. You know, I think of, you know, his post corner that he ran for a, for a touchdown. I think that that's a very solid route and one that's a little bit more on the complex side. But other than that, a lot of his routes, like I said, they're just different variations of screens and then slants and outs. There's not a huge variety. He does run a pretty nice drag route, which is, you know, I, I gave it like a five and a half because I think it's just slightly above average, but nothing to really write home about and still plenty of room to grow. And that brings me to the last area of improvement. It's just verticality slash jump ball. You look at Tucker Peterson and he is a jump ball threat. You can throw it up into double coverage and there's a pretty solid chance that he can come down with it. And that's partially just because Tucker's leaping ability is insane. And that's something that I think Keaton can work on. I don't necessarily define it as a weakness because, I mean, he can jump. He does make some pretty sweet snags where he does have to kind of climb a staircase, but it's not something that he's routinely doing. And it's not something that just makes my jaw drop. And I'm just like, wow, what a jumping, leaping catch. You know what I mean? So that's why it kind of falls a little bit on this shorter side here is it's just not a consistent thing and it's not something that has blown me away quite yet. Outlook here for Keaton Kaiser. Uh, I'm not sure what his recruiting journey looks like or anything like that. However, I, I do think that he could instantly be a D2 guy, like instant day one starter on the D2 level. Not only is he a great athlete, but he just plays both sides of the ball so well. And I've seen him play in some very tough football games. I know that he's a very mentally tough football player and that he just brings a lot to offer for whatever program picks him up. But he's a yes coach kind of guy. He's very athletic. And, you know, I think that he could even potentially walk on to some D1 programs. I think that, you know, if UNC couldn't offer him a PWO, that they might be cheating, cheating themselves a little bit, especially because, you know, he's a hometown guy. And I just think that that would go a long way towards building kind of that rough, rugged, hometown Greeley culture that is all over the place in Greeley, Colorado itself, but maybe doesn't make it onto that next level turf. And I think that Keaton could be a guy that kind of ups the ante on that and forces, you know, some of these recruited players' hands because he'll challenge you. He doesn't care if you're a four-star, five-star guy. He's going to bust you up if you're not on your stuff. 
And that's just the kind of culture that they have there at Roosevelt and one that I think Keaton can bring to D1 programs and challenge other players to be better while also benefiting himself and maybe seeing some time on the field in his few years at a university. But other than that, you know, solid D2 guy for sure who could probably start pretty relatively soon. Nothing wrong with redshirting, but I think that he could start relatively soon. So that's my take on Keaton Kaiser out of Roosevelt High School. And after this, we will be jumping all the way back up to the 5A level. Hopping back over with your favorite host from the Playmakers Corner to the defensive side of the ball on this edition of Requests is Lorenz Lovelace out of Prairie View High School, I want to say. And he is a Chadron State commit. And so talking about Lorenz Lovelace, he is somebody who definitely flew a little bit under our radar. And I will say that that's partially from, you know, just not a whole lot of stats being posted. But I mean, Lorenz is a very highly sought after D2 you know, kind of football player. And there's plenty of reasons why. And I'm going to talk about that on this episode. And so the first thing that jumps off the film when watching Lorenz here is his versatility. I mean, dude, he plays safety. He plays slot corner. He plays outside corner. He, he blitzes from like an edge position, which is just nuts. Like he is just able to ball out in so many different ways. And he, he puts you on notice for sure, with just his athleticism. At 5'10", 185 pounds, too, that's a next-level size and frame. Not to mention, he runs a 4'4 shuttle. He has a 34-inch vertical. He does bench 275, squats 415, runs a 4'4", 40-yard dash, which is good enough for, you know, uh, 8.9 speed. You know, he's just elite in a lot of different ways, and that versatility and that size and that frame and the tenacity that he has allows him to just do so much for this Prairie View, you know, Thunderhawk squad. And while, you know, the stats weren't up to date, he did have a ton of pass deflections. He makes a ton of tackles in the run game. I mean, shoot, he had a handful of tackles on AJ Jackson, who's like 6'1", 190 pounds. And he just does a great job of, you know, getting that leverage and holding on and, you know, forcing players and using the sideline when possible as well. So there's just a lot of things that, you know, Lorenz is capable of that I just feel like a lot of cornerbacks can't really do. And that's partially just because of his athleticism and that frame and that speed. You know, some things that allow him to do that. I think that his hip mobility is pretty solid. I give it a 6.8. They can be a little bit rigid or fall a little bit behind sometimes, but he's pretty good at changing direction. And this opened up Plenty of opportunities for him in zone coverage where, you know, he was able to fall back into a cover three and make a cover two play, if that makes sense, just with the explosiveness that he's capable of and that speed, obviously. And just his wherewithal and field awareness on zone coverage is very impressive. It's a seven to me. It's one of his highest categories and it's his best form of coverage, in my opinion, just because he does play cover two, cover four, cover three, all kinds of different coverages, not to mention cover one or cover two from the safety position. It's a very transferable skill to be a very good zone coverage kind of 
cornerback and safety. That's why you see a lot of corners in the NFL eventually switch to safety if they were really good, you know, zone cornerbacks because safety is like the position to play zone defense. And he just does such an incredible job at it. You know, actually kind of reflecting on his film, I'm going to bump it up to a 7.6. He does a really good job of maintaining his area of the field and just, you know, forcing quarterbacks to pass it to other places. And if they try and test him deep, whether it's over the top from his cover one spot, his cover two spot, or whether they try and, you know, test him on that boundary on wheel routes from his slot corner spot, he does a great job of getting back and batting down those passes. And with that being said, you know, his man-to-man skills ain't too shabby either. I gave him a 6.2 on man-to-man. I think that, you know, he does a great job of being within the area, kind of having a hand near that wide receiver's hip. And overall, just, you know, maintaining close enough distance to eventually make a play on the ball and bat it either out of the receiver's hands or rip it out, which he did do, which was super impressive when he fell behind and used that, you know, kind of makeup speed to make a play or, you know, to to just punch it out, you know, in the air whenever they reach for it. I, I will give him a little bit of a compliment here on his anticipation slash recognition. It's mainly for his recognition. His pre-play, his pre-snap reads are really good. If he knows what kind of route combination is heading his way a lot of the time, which feeds into his zone coverage and, and you know, just helps him out a lot, get in position on the defensive side of the ball, kind of before the offense is even in position too. And last but not least, you know, I gave his uh, strength slash tackling a 5.2. It's not the best. He does use the sideline a little too much. I think he's a little too reliant on it, but he's good for a tackle and a pinch, and a lot of other cornerbacks are significantly worse and or scared of contact, and I don't think Lorenz is. I think that he just could be a little bit more physical and engage you know, some blocks a little bit harder, scoop underneath them, and then just make more complete you know, hip tackling tackles, if that makes sense. You know, talking about some things that he could kind of improve off in the tackling game makes me want to talk about his areas of improvement in his game in general. I think that one thing that's severely lacking and makes him kind of have to play makeup football a little bit here is his leverage. I think that he lets wide receivers get the leverage that they want pretty regularly, whether they get that outside release or whether they get that inside release. And he has to use his athleticism to kind of make a play on the ball after that. And that's just not a position he should be in. And on top of that, he plays a little tall. I, I did give his leverage a little bit of bonus points because he kind of can jump and, and swap balls away, but not enough to override how receivers are able to run routes. And he doesn't really push them off their routes or anything like that. And I think that's a huge leverage thing and a footwork thing too. The biggest things holding back his man-to-man -man coverage are this leverage trait and his footwork, he crosses his feet, he gallops sometimes side to side, and it's just really sporadic and random and just not very clean. I think that he needs to hit the, you know, the ladder pretty hard this summer, hit tires so that he can work on that base to kind of push off of. And I think that, you know, if he works on that footwork, it's going to increase and improve his leverage because he's not off balance, trying to make a play over relying on speed and in turn can increase his man to man skills. Lastly, and his lowest rated category for me was ball skills. He does get a pick on his film, which is a solid pick, but there's also picks that he leaves on the ground, especially there's one at the safety position where this quarterback overthrows this, you know, kind of slot seam throw and it, he kind of just bounces it off and into the ground. But dude, pick the ball off, run it back. 
you know, be a playmaker. That's the difference with playmakers. And you look at a lot of the guys who miss out on our top five senior list. And it's just this simple thing right here. Get interceptions. Make plays. It's playmaker's corner, man. Go be a playmaker. And I, I think that he just needs to work on catching this offseason. I know that he's a cornerback. I understand that. But I think that catching and working with tennis balls and stuff like that, especially before heading over to Chadron, will increase chances of not only getting to start sooner than later, but, you know, scoring a couple of defensive touchdowns. Why not? And, you know, kind of addressing this, he, you know, is going to Chadron State. He was offered by Western, it looks like, Fort Lewis College. But, you know, Chadron State, they had him out for a couple of different visits. They offered him pretty soon. You know, I think the only teams to really beat him out on an offer were St. Mary's, which go Spires, by the way, in uh, women's flag football. But, uh, you know, they offered him pretty early. I think that that's going to be a great fit for him. I don't know if he necessarily starts within his first year, but I do think that he can see field and see some action the second year. And if not that, he can for sure be a starter by his third year. I think he could be a two-year starter kind of guy who, you know, if he works on his, if he works on those hands, he could be a four or five interception kind of dude, which is pretty high praise and prediction for this RMAC conference. It's a very competitive conference, but you need lockdown cornerbacks to match up against some of these wide receivers that have signed with some of these sweet schools. And you need a secondary. And I think that Lorenz is somebody who, you know, can kind of lock down an entire side of a field, but he could also be a moving matchup or, you know, just a, a really nice chess piece. He's like a queen in chess. They can kind of do a little bit of everything and very lethally. And you just have to be careful how, how you use them. And, you know, he's going to make plays for your program. So congratulations to Chadron and congratulations to Lovelace here for signing with Chadron. Lorenz, if I was saying your name wrong, just let us know in the DMs. But I, I'm pretty sure I got it correct. And all that being mentioned, as I say over and over again, that does it for this segment. Coming up is our last segment of this request episode. Last segment of Playmaker's Corner Request Edition. Make sure if you want your requests featured in a future episode that you fill out the Google form on our social medias. If you've been listening to this entire episode and you're tired of hearing it, it's not about you then because you know how to follow instructions. But seriously, if you want your film bro broken down, especially, especially, especially seniors sooner than later, please fill out that Google form so we can get that stuff done for you before May. But focusing on the requests this is a highly requested guy. This was somebody who is on pace to be a top five senior at one of two positions, honestly. And it's very well deserved. In the film that I did watch, he did score a solid, and I mean a solid 85. That is the CU recruit and the Nebraska D commit because the Cornhuskers don't know how to hold on to a good thing. Grant Page, the wide receiver at a Fairview who... In limited action this year was just flat out explosive and a great, you know, just a great wide receiver to watch. I remember going to that opening game, that Boulder versus Fairview game, 
and Grant Page was just doing it all, whether he was at the safety position or the wide receiver position. But I am going to talk about Grant Page as a wide receiver. I'm pretty sure that's what he will be playing on the next level for CU. And for good reason. I mean, as a sophomore in his only whole season, you know, because of A, COVID and B, unfortunate circumstance. But in his season as a sophomore, he racked up 76 receptions for 1,250 yards and 15 scores. Now, as, you know, the years went on and defense were able to key on him and, you know, some other talent was kind of put beside him, these numbers decrease. But, I mean, the average yards per catch never dips below 12. His average yards per game never dips below 94. And his longest reception, uh, you know, his shortest long reception is 43. So say what you will. I also watched some of his junior and sophomore film for a little bit of this. But the same things that he was able to show in that film, he was able to show both in person and, you know, just in general in this season before, you know, he ultimately, before it was ultimately cut short. But... You know, in limited action this year, 39 receptions, 473 yards, two touchdowns. And those first three weeks, I mean, he was on fire. He was potentially set up to set some serious records because he had 28 receptions, averaged over 100 yards per game, and scored twice in those first three games. Then, you know, in a blowout win against Prairie View, kind of slowed down a little bit with seven receptions for 74. And it was the Chaparral game where they really keyed on him and ultimately was his last game of the season which was unfortunate for sure, but I think Grant Page will be fine here. There's just so many things that he does well. I mean, his speed is elite. I gave it a 9.5. His elusiveness slash agility, I mean, they love to get him the ball in space. Any type of screen you think of, he gets it. He catches hitch routes and he turns them up the field. He's an explosive playmaker, so his elusiveness slash agility is a 9.4. His hands, oh my gosh, he has some amazing hands. I gave him a 9.3. I think that they're really, they're definitively four-star talent hands and borderline five-star talent hands. He just makes some sweet snags. And, you know, I think that a couple of one-handers are the only things holding this back from jumping up to like a 9.7 and stuff. The route tree that he runs at Fairview. Fairview runs the biggest route tree in the state. So I gave it a 9.2. There are some things that I kind of wish that they let him do a little bit more. I wanted to see potentially some more double moves and some more of this, but it was pretty nitpicky to earn a 9.2 in the, to earn a, over a nine in four different categories. And then an 8.9 in field awareness slash vision, which is on those screen passes that he is so, so incredible at not to mention when he does get interceptions and kind of runs the ball back that way. It's a different angle of field and for him to show success in that is also highly impressive. And, you know, in that Boulder game, he almost had 100 kick return yards. So, you know, he's able to get it done in every single facet of the game. His route running, I gave an 8.8. .8. I am nitpicking just a little bit here. I think that he can be more crisp on some things and a little bit more creative. But with all the routes that he is asked to run, he does a great job. Um, his separation slash release, this is his second lowest category at an eight that's how good grant page is is even you know the second worst thing that he does is at least three-star talent because i mean he has so many different releases and you know the only thing that's lacking sometimes is defenders will close the distance and cut that separation down but i'm not worried about it i'm not worried it's still great 
his verticality and jump ball. He can jump up and make some sweet snags. I gave that an 8.2. His body control, he makes some nice catches by the sideline, especially on those deep comeback routes. I gave that an 8.5. And so there's just not a lot to complain about with Grant Page here. The only thing kind of holding him back is his blocking, which I still gave a 5.2, which is solid for a wide receiver. But, you know, it's not like he's getting pancakes and, you know, stuff like that is what elevates you into like, you know, an eight there and, you know, a four-star talent. But he's he's five-star, I'd say, in speed and elusiveness. And then most of his other categories fall into the three and four-star range, which is on par with his grading per rivals. He was rated as a three-star recruit. I just kind of broke it down here. And I'm just going to run through it really fast again because I just got so excited talking about Grant Page and just what an elite playmaker that he was that it may have been hard to catch some of these. But, I mean, route running, 8-8. Hand slash ball skills, 9-3. Separation slash release, 8. Speed, 9-5. Elusiveness, 9-4. Route tree, 9-2. Verticality, 8-2. Body control, 8-5. Field awareness, 8-9. Blocking, 5-2. And, you know, a lot of these things could improve you know, like verticality, jump ball. I feel like there are a couple more jump ball situations that he could have won, you know, where, I mean, he was given a 50-50 shot uh, against a Haggerty who is, I believe, or was a three-star, you know, kind of prospect, and he was at cornerback. And, you know, I think that Grant Page, I think that he's a better athlete than to lose some of those jump ball situations. So I want to see him win more jump balls and get more verticality. Granted, he is, I believe, recovering right now from injuries in his leg that ended his season but you know with the facilities at CU with the culture that I think they're heading towards building there I think that Grant Page found himself a very good home and obviously going into Outlook you redshirt him okay I mean he was in your own backyard his season ended from an injury it was really unfortunate so don't push the issue give him that full year to recover to settle in to CU I mean it's not like he's going far. He went to Fairview High School, right? But, you know, getting used to that culture, getting used to college, getting used to that college football culture nonetheless, and being able to work out in the weight room with those trainers and for those trainers to get him right and get his knee right completely, I think that you give all the time in the world to that because I think that Grant Page is somebody that, you know, will push some of your other recruits like Chase Penry and a Ty Robinson from last year. And I think that he could be an even higher volume reception kind of guy. I mean, to record 39 receptions in only five games, and I mean, really, it's more like four and a half games, is pretty absurd. But on a career, you know, 173 receptions in three years, that sounds like somebody who's ready to produce at the next level. And I think that Grant Page can do exactly that. Look, our top-ranked senior wide receiver this year scored a 77.1. Grant Page is at an 85.0 flat. And I would say is by far the best senior receiver. And if he was given a full season, we would have ranked him number one, um, depending on if we wanted to rank him at safety against Costanzo or something. That's one thing. But Page and Costanzo being the best athletes in this class, I feel like is indisputable. And Grant Page is somebody who I have a lot of faith in on that next level, and I'm very excited. Look, I don't usually mess with watching Buffs football, but I will tune in just to see Grant Page light it up on a Saturday afternoon. All of that being accounted for, though, that will do it for this edition of Requests on Playmakers Corner. And in case you weren't sick of it, here it is one more time. 
If you want your film broken down and you want a request done, make sure to find us on social media at Playmaker Corner on Twitter, at Playmakers Corner on Instagram. We're on Facebook, Playmakers Corner. Our TikTok, Playmakers Corner, has a link tree in the bio. Any of those link trees have the Google form as the first link. Go ahead and fill that out for you or a player that you want us to break their film down of. Make sure that they have sufficient film for us to look through as well as you fill out these Google forms. And shout out to all the seniors who have already done that. We have not forgotten about you and we are making our way towards you, whether that is via these request episodes or, you know, on our Twitch. Go ahead and find Playmakers Corner on Twitch where we stream every Tuesday night and, you know, break down a variety of players. It's been young quarterbacks primarily, but uh, soon these requests, we want to give enough people time to get these requests in. So go ahead and get those in so that we can start doing that as a broadcast and know have quite a few requests going on wednesdays which is what we do on wednesdays we also have best of the rest slash requests on mondays mason still has some content simon still has some best of the rest episodes as well and then tune in fridays for our naia women's flag football recaps happy women's history month and celebrate history in the making by tuning in to women's flag football on the weekends. You can find live streams through most of these teams, social medias, specifically Twitter, like Ottawa, Midland, Kansas Wesleyan, Cotty College, all of them. Cotty even has a Twitch, so you can watch their games and stuff like that. So go ahead and tune into women's flag football. It's the future of football, and we do a great job of covering it with power rankings, playmakers of the week, and stuff like that. If you don't know, where to listen to us or where to find these episodes. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or anywhere you listen to podcasts, basically. And if you want notifications for all the latest episodes, make sure to follow, subscribe, like, or whatever, so you get notifications whenever we release a new episode. (gasps) I've been your host, Cody Stopper. I think that's everything. Oh, subscribe to us on YouTube. That is officially everything. And peace.